This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. Hey everybody, it's Don LaGreca with the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. It's unbelievable what's happening with the Montreal Canadiens. You figure, okay, they lose a tough one in overtime in Game 4. It's going back to Vegas. And you could have thought maybe this is going to go the way Game 5 went between the Lightning and the Islanders where just Vegas was going to overwhelm Montreal and finally put this team to bed and the exact opposite happens. So DeBoer goes back to Flurry, and I'm not surprised by that. It was a stopgap move. Flurry's their number one guy, but they brought in Leonard because they just felt that maybe Flurry needed a maintenance day mentally after what happened to him in game four and that he would be able to bounce back for game five. Didn't happen. And now you got to go back to Leonard, right? I mean, you just have to. He played so well in game four, and now you're facing elimination in Montreal. So I would think it's going to be Leonard. Uh, the rest of the way. So that leads to speculation. Did Flurry play his last game in Vegas? They almost dealt him away. He's going to be 37 years old. Uh, uh, I don't know what their answers are in replacing him. A, a Vegas fan may know better than me, but certainly it has to be on the table for what direction you're going to go into. I'm not sure Robin Leonard is the answer as the everyday goaltender either. We'll see. But hey, Vegas still can be heard from and they still can end up winning this series. But right now, Montreal just got it going on. So we really are left to just say this is this is no fluke. You know, we kind of talked about it a little bit on Monday that this was going to be a long series because Montreal's just not going to go quietly into that good night. And now they've got two shots, including one at home tomorrow, to wrap this thing up. And 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 it the the Cinderella story just doesn't look like it has an ending here. It just doesn't. And it, it's really time to dissect why this is happening. Now, the old adage in the NHL always is, all you need is a hot goalie and a hot goal scorer, and you can go far in the playoffs. But that's not really what Montreal is doing. I mean, I wouldn't say Carey Price is hot. He's a really good goaltender. Now, he's playing out of his mind, but I wouldn't say this is just like out of nowhere. We've seen him play well before, and he's certainly playing at a level that Hey, a future Hall of Famer should be able to play at. Do I think he at times is overrated? But he can he can prove me wrong and is continuing to prove me wrong on this run. He's never been this far in the playoffs before. Remember, he got hurt in Game 1 of 2014 against the uh, Rangers when he collided with Kreider, or Kreider collided with him. So he didn't get the, the two wins they got in that series. And it was Halak that they rode to the conference final in 2010. So he's definitely proving uh, a lot of people, including myself, wrong with this run okay so you've got the goaltender but it's not like they're relying on one guy Kakanyemi got his fifth goal uh when, when you look at the games the goal scorers last night Stoll with his second you know Cofield has been great but only his third goal you know so they're really getting contributions from everybody offensively and that's the key right to be able to roll four lines to not rely on one or two players or one or two lines to supply your offense Montreal can get it from anywhere. They're getting that. Depth on D. It was realized by Montreal, EJ brought this up, that you know play those top four to shut down Vegas. And it worked against Toronto. It worked against Winnipeg. And now it's working against Vegas. But the other key that never gets discussed when you talk about what you need to make a run. And teams that are trying to build towards a championship have to figure this out. Who is going to be your forward that's going to be the shut-down guy? You know, who is going to be that defensive forward that's going to win you face-offs and just drape himself on the number one guy and take that guy out of it? And when you've seen what Philip Deneau has done, now is he a name? Is he somebody you think of as even a top-five player on the Canadians? The answer is no, 
but in situations like this, it's those guys. I saw it forever with the Devils, with guys like you know, Bobby Holik, and sometimes it's a defenseman that will just follow around the best players. But this is a guy that's a top-line center. He's winning face-offs. He's shutting down whoever they put him on. He put him on Pacioretty, and they're completely taking Pacioretty out of this series. Then you get the offense from Gallagher on that line. Suzuki, who centers the second line, has been terrific. Kakanyemi, as I said, has got five goals. He's centering the third line, and... And then you've got how many big moments from the fourth line of Stahl, Armia, and Perry. Rolling the four lines, having defensive forward, having the goaltender that's playing elite. That's the formula. So throw out what happened in the 56-game schedule. Throw out what you what your preconceived notions were, mine included, on what this Montreal Canadiens team was going into the playoffs. They are kind of built for this. Now, that doesn't guarantee they'll even win this series. And certainly Tampa Bay, if Tampa Bay wins, and you think of that team offensively, could be a different set of challenges. And if the Islanders can make it out, boy, what a matchup that would be. Because the Islanders are similarly constructed in the way Montreal is is that it, it really can be a recipe for some special things here and certainly can be enough to get one more win and get to the Stanley Cup Final for the first time since 1993. So there's a way to win in the regular season, and you look at Colorado and you and you look at Toronto, teams that out, just outscored you, but then you get to the playoffs and it's about who wins that key face-off, right? Who gets that big check? Who demands the physical play? What goaltender makes that big save? It, it it's a completely different story, and Montreal just seems to be ready for that. So were they elite team? Did they barely make the playoffs? But look at what they've done once they got into the playoffs. Remember, they made it last year, you know, beating Pittsburgh in the qualifying round. So there's experience there. They're exceptionally well coached. Even with the COVID, it hasn't really been a problem because the system's already in place. Everybody knows what they need to do. You've got grinders like Gallagher. You got you know, Toffoli has been a godsend for this team. You even saw it during the regular season. So. Color me surprised for sure, but after every single game, you just begin to realize this is less fluke, this is less Cinderella, and it's more by design. Now, work still needs to be done. They've got one more game to get here, which is going to be tough because I don't think Vegas is going to go away. And if they do make it out of Vegas, then they've got a very, very difficult final against either the Lightning or the Islanders. They've got five wins to get to get that, uh, that elusive cup that the country of Canada hasn't seen since Montreal won in 1993. And those five are going to be very difficult to get. And the two hardest ones to get are going to be the game tomorrow and then finally finishing off Vegas. And if they are fortunate enough to be able to possibly eliminate uh, Tampa or New York in the Stanley Cup Final. So it's still a tremendous amount of work to be done. But this team's picked up 11 wins in the postseason, the most they've ever had since winning the Cup in 1993. Very, very special. Vegas has got to figure out their power play, too. I mean, it was analyzed during the course of the game. Eddie brought it up. Uh, Keith Jones brought it up during the intermissions. You go from not being able to convert to being flat-out embarrassing, and they just can't even get into the zone. Credit Montreal for that and their penalty kill. But when you're you're not an elite offensive team to begin with and your power play becomes a problem and almost becomes – not just ineffective, but being such a negative that it's going to be uh, almost impossible to win. And now with the goaltending in flux. But if I'm a Vegas fan, you saw the way that Leonard played in Game 4. If he can do that again, now you've got all the momentum going back to your barn, which should be electric for a possible Game 7 that would be coming up on Saturday. So Vegas is not done by a long shot, but... 
this Cinderella ride. You're waiting for that carriage to turn back into a pumpkin, and maybe it's not going to happen, at least in this series, for the Montreal Canadiens. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, now let's fast forward to what's happening for Game 6 between the Islanders and the Lightning. And I was shocked that the Islanders lost 8 to nothing. Worst loss in playoff history for the Islanders. And the, the worst loss that they sustained since that awful Game 1 last year in the conference final when they lost 8-2, to two, but there were excuses around that one, having to travel, short turnaround, taking on a rested Tampa team, and they came right back and played a one-goal game in Game 2, a game that they lost. I don't think there's any question that the Islanders are going to bounce back. What happened to the Islanders happens sometimes in the playoffs where the game plan gets blown up early right? Stamkos gets the goal 45 seconds in. That's big, not just because the team that scores first wins every game in this series, but also it got Stamkos off the snide and got that line off the snide. They only had two points and both of them coming on the power play, so they got that going. And really, what's the game plan for an Islander team that, let's face it, is limited offensively. They're going to win by being a really good defensive team, and you're trailing 3 nothing after one. What's the, what's the plan? Because you can't keep playing the way you play and expect to be able to generate enough offense to come back. So what happens? You start opening it up a little bit, and now you get leaky, and this is not the team you want to be leaky against because Tampa is going to make those geysers, and they're going to score, and then it gets to be out of hand. Islanders dodged a bullet where um, Barzell was not suspended, so he'll be available tonight. I think that's the right call. We got into this argument on the Michael K show about, well, look what happened when Bushnevich got the one-game suspension cross-checking Mantha in the face. So why does Barzell get away with it? Because it's a playoff game. Playoff games are worth two regular regular season games. So if you, if you do something to get you a game in the regular season, it's going to get you just a fine in the postseason. If it got you two, reg, two games in the regular season, it probably just gets you one in the postseason. It doesn't seem that difficult to understand. And I think they end up doing the right thing. I, I get it. 5,000 is no big deal. And we'll find out if Ruta's even available for Tampa. And that would certainly suck if you're a Lightning fan. Barzell doesn't get really any discipline. And the guy that he hit is out. And then you couple that with what already has been a problem for Tampa, being able to keep uh, people healthy. Now you're down in two defensemen. You had Shen had to play. Shen scored, but that was not you know that that's that's just a fluky goal that went off a skate. I mean he's not there to score. He's a nice defenseman. He's not a great defenseman. But now you start having to bring not one but two guys that weren't going to be dressed to now dress if Ruta can't go, and um, that's going to be in Grizzly obviously somebody that's going to be out. Um, uh, that that's that's an issue for Tampa. So they're going to have to try to figure that out because you don't want to be down too many defensemen because even though I said that they're a little light as far as offense is concerned you don't want to put yourself uh, in that situation if you're Tampa if Ruta can't go and we're probably not going to find out until warm-ups that he's definitely going to be out because that that certainly is uh, going to be something they're not going to want to let people know so um, 
So Chernak, as I said, I said Grizzly, I misspoke. Uh, um, Chernak out, Ruta possibly out. That is going to put a lot of pressure on the back end of that blue line for Tampa. So we'll see if they'll be able to bounce back from that. And we'll keep an eye on warm-ups, whether Ruta is going to be able to go. I'm recording this at, you know, late, early afternoon today, so I have not seen whether he is in or out of the lineup. And, and knowing John Cooper the way that I do, he doesn't tell you anything, so we'll probably won't find out until game time what his availability will be. So, got a chance to talk to Gerard Gallant yesterday on the Michael K Show. You can probably check it out on the K Show podcast. Uh, good stuff. Uh, but the thing that jumped out to me from interviewing him was that he said the rebuild's over. Okay? Which I think a lot of Ranger fans suspected anyway. But, you know, listen, he didn't have this edict, must make the playoffs. But when you say the rebuild is over, that means, okay, we're done with this whole trying to collect young players and seeing where we're at. Now it's about going out and making the playoffs. And it's going to be tough because the divisions will go back to normal, which means you say goodbye to Boston and Buffalo. Uh, that's uh, good news losing Buffalo. Bad news, you're uh, good news uh, losing Boston. Bad news, you're losing Buffalo. But you're also bringing in a really good Carolina team uh, and Columbus. So I would think the combination of the two, you're probably better off Boston Buffalo than Columbus and Carolina so it's still you're in a very difficult division with a really good Islander team a really good capital team a really good Penguin team you know a Philadelphia team that I think had a disappointing year but are kind of in the same position the Rangers are where all right what what, what step are they going to take and you and you feel like it's going to be forward so listen it's going to be tough to make the playoffs it's going to take 90 plus points and it's been a while since the Rangers have been in that position I know they made the qualifying round during the pandemic but they were not making the playoffs so I look at this team as four straight years out this would be if they miss the playoffs this year with Gallant that would be five straight years out of the playoff with three different coaches so um, that would be tough to take. But, you know, Gallant says he's going to let uh, you know um, Benoit Allaire be the one that kind of dictates what goal he goes. He said he didn't have a philosophy on how many games the backup should play and all that. But he says this needs to be a hard-nosed team, and you knew that. You knew that with the uh, with the, the firings that they were disappointed in the physicality of this team. So you know the mission statement in the draft, in free agency, any trades that they make is to toughen this team up so you don't see what happens at the end of this last season where they were pushed around by the Islanders. They were pushed around by the Washington Capitals. He said he liked the fact that they responded to the next game with the line brawl with Washington, but certainly allowing what Wilson did, you know, allowing what happened in that Islander back back-to-back just can't happen from a Ranger standpoint, and, and that's why the firings took place. So you know Gallant and Drury are going to have a mission statement to certainly toughen this team up, and we'll see if they'll get a chance to do it. So it was a good interview. Um, my condolences to his sister. His sister had passed away, actually, I think the day that he had gotten the job with the New York Rangers. Apparently she had been sick, so our condolences go out to the Gallant family, uh, but uh, he's fighting through it, and if you want to listen to that interview, definitely check out the Michael K. Show podcast. That was a good one. All right, let's close Close it out with you at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct, and we will hear from Tim McHale, who says, Don, uh, do you know of any Hab-themed bars in Manhattan that would be fun to watch game six at? I want to see a bunch of Hab fans go crazy if they advance on Thursday. Hope you're doing well. It's been so long since I've been in the city because of the pandemic. There were some places that were really cool hockey bars around Madison Square Garden. I'm not, I don't have an answer for you, but I'm sure there has to be. The Canadians are a very popular team. I think you probably can hunt it down on the internet. That would be a pretty cool experience, especially now that things are beginning to open up to be able to watch what could be a really historic night for the Canadians on Thursday in front of other fans. Eli says, why couldn't the Rangers 
broadcast the press conference on their many channels. This is a new 21st century thing, right? Where, you know, the Mets have a press conference, Yankees have a press conference, Rangers, Knicks, and it's not on TV, but it's on the internet. I think that's just where we're going now in the world. Um, you're kind of set with your programming during the day, but they want to get people that are at work. They want to get people that are not necessarily in front of their TVs. I think that's the direction a lot of teams are going. So we kind of got to get with the program here. The computer apps, streaming is now the new way, especially with sports, to be able to get your information. So I'm not going to kill MSG for that because um, – that's just something that I think a lot of outlets are doing. Eli also wants to know, what is the Canadians' deal? Why can't teams beat them? Well, we went over that uh, at the start of the podcast. Richard says, Don, time for the Canadians to get some big-time respect and show Mrs. LaGreca some hockey love. Of course, my wife's a Canadians fan. Habs must be doing something right. Carey Price, of course, what else? In copycat league, what can other GMs learn from the Habs to become cup contenders? Well, like I mentioned, you got to be able to have depth on the blue line and get defensive forwards and roll four lines. Uh, we brought that up with Jared Gallant during the, the interview with him. That that's All four of these teams can do that. And, and Gallant's going to want to do that with the Rangers. The days of having just three lines, having the fourth line be a bunch of kids or a bunch of goons that don't get any ice time in key spots, that's not the way you win anymore. And you take a look at building up the middle too. Look at the centers and how they contributed. All their centers have contributed. No defensively. How many big goals has Kakanyemi scored? And he's a second-year player. Stahl was taken off the scrap heap of the trade deadline. Look how good he's been. Suzuki's been tremendous for this team. Build up the middle. That's what you got to do. And don't just think about building up the middle as far as scoring. Are you winning faceoffs? Do you do you make players around you better? Are you a good defensive forward? Those are the things that always have to be talked about. David says since Gerard Gallant is off the table, the hockey related guests for uh, uh, the hockey related guests for Seattle Sports Radio sound like they're in favor of Torts becoming the first Kraken's coach. How likely do you think a coach of his caliber would be in for leading an expansion team? Well, normally I would say, well, he's a guy that's relying on the veterans and is a win now coach, and that would not work with an expansion team. But looking at what happened with Vegas and the expectations very, being very high for Seattle. Hey, I'm a torts guy, okay? I think he's a good coach. I think he would work uh, in really selling the game there in the sense that he's a personality. Um, I can understand why the people of Seattle would want him because he's a name. Uh, you look at a lot of guys that were were hired in the first seasons of expansion teams. It's usually guys with not a lot of experience or somebody that had a lot of experience in the minor leagues or juniors. You saw Gallant um, had ex- had experience with Columbus and Florida. Um, I think that's important. I, I I I would do that. But again, I'm bi- I'm, I'm being completely biased, honest with my bias. Uh, I think that would be a, a, a tremendous hire. Um, Yankee and Penguin says, "Hi, Don. Do you think the team regret passing on Cole Colefield, or is it too early to say?" Uh, John Butchergrass tweeted this out. He had sent the screenshot of the 14 players that were taken before Colefield in the first round. It's still very, very early, and we'll see. But give Montreal credit. They, they groomed this kid. They were very, very easy with him, um, really bringing him in piecemeal. And, and now he's really showing a tremendous amount of ability. So, hey, what it really comes down to is this. When you're able to get a player that can have this kind of impact this early on a cup run and you got him 15th overall, 
listen, I'm sure there's a lot of teams that may be looking and saying, boy, I'd like another uh, shot at that. Uh, Robert says, caught your interview with Galan on TMK yesterday. It appears to be the least charismatic coach that the Rangers have had in years, but I'm not sure that's a bad thing. Well, listen, uh, when you say charismatic, I, I think uh, Quinn was, was, was a personality-driven guy, although not a lot of people knew him. Uh, Elaine Vigneault was, you know, he had a little personality, but I, I wouldn't say it was over the top. And of course, John Tortorella is John Tortorella. A lot of personality there. Gallant's old business, okay? And what he did with Vegas was just tremendous. So you got to be happy if you're a Ranger fan. He, he's a hockey lifer. And I brought this up during the interview with him of the experience he gained. He was given the opportunity, uh, he was an assistant in Columbus takes over as head coach three unproductive years gets fired right it would end up being like a like a two years a half a year full year and then got fired like 25 games into his third year in 07 then what he does he becomes an assistant with the islanders for a couple of years then he goes down to the uh um, quebec major junior hockey league with the bulldogs and he's there for three years he goes to a final and then wins two championships then he comes back as the uh assistant coach in Montreal and he was the assistant under Michelle Therrien and they went to a conference final in 2014 and then he goes back to head coaching he spent three years in Florida did get him to the playoffs once won a division there in Florida and then you saw what he did in Vegas and I thought it was a bad job that the McCrimmon fired him early last season in Vegas and he admitted that he did not see it coming they lost four games in a row expectations were high and he ended up getting fired couple that with you know, blowing the 3-1 series lead against San Jose the year before didn't help, but he gained experience in that time. Like He failed in Columbus as a neophyte, and then he goes and he puts in the work, right? Assistant in a couple of places, goes down to junior, and then he comes back and has you know limited success in Florida and then tremendous success in Vegas. So he has definitely worked his tail off to get where he is. So forget about personality or quote-unquote winning the press conference. This guy, I think, has what the Rangers need in spades. Ryan says, thoughts on Drury make, uh, saying making the playoffs isn't a mandate. To me, they are backtracking on what they expect for this team. Why fire J.D. and Gordon because of performance and then make a statement like that? Well, here, just trying to get into Chris's head. Because I look at what Gerard Gallant said, that the rebuild's over. Well, if the rebuild's over, that means that you believe you're a playoff team. Otherwise, you would say you're still in the rebuild. I think what Chris is doing is trying to – what Drury is doing is soft-shoeing it just a little bit because, like I explained, it can be difficult. When, when you look at the format, you know, they're not going to go with the top four, which is good news, but you still you still need to be a top three team in your division and then the possibility of a wild card. Do I, What I say right now, with uh, current – currently constituted the Rangers are going to finish in the top three in their division when you've got Pittsburgh when you've got Washington and you've got the New York Islanders and then you look at wild card perspective okay you go to the other division you're probably going to say Tampa Florida and Boston all right so then you got wild cards or what, what, what are you going to do with Montreal what's Philadelphia uh going to be uh there's uh, Ottawa looks like they're on the fast track right Toronto is still I think a really good regular season team so it could just be about doing the math of hey I think we're a playoff team but you know you could be looking at a conference where you might have 94 95 points and miss so I think what Drury's doing trying to take a little bit of pressure off himself but when Gallant comes on and says that the rebuild is over I mean you take it for what it's worth but uh I wouldn't get too 
uh, caught up in all of that. All right, this was a lot of fun. We got we got two tremendous series. Uh, I I really hope we have a couple of game sevens, which would be terrific. I know Anthony Pusick is not rooting for that because he's got a lot of taping to do with the hockey show with Dave Rothenberg. But hey, listen, hockey comes first, right? So hopefully we get a couple of game sevens, and I hope we get a Stanley Cup final that's just as good as the semifinals. So tonight, Islanders try to stave off elimination. That game can be heard on 98.7 ESPN New York with coverage beginning with me at 7.30. So if you want to hear uh, my voice and talk to me in person, 1-800-919-3776 at 7.30. And then the face-off at 8 o'clock with Chris King and Greg Picker. And then it'll be tomorrow, Thursday, a possible elimination for the Vegas Golden Knights. So it's all laid out there on the table for you. We'll be back on Friday. So we're either going to be previewing a couple of Game 7s or talking about a Stanley Cup final that is already set. So if you want to get in touch with me, at Don LaGreca, hashtag Game Misconduct. Enjoy your Wednesday. Back with you again on Friday. This was the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.